Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's sermon podcast. We trust that this podcast is an encouragement to you. If there's any way that we can pray for you, or if you have any questions about Jesus and why we serve him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks for listening. We're wrapping up our series this morning. Um, if you uh, have been with us this whole time, we've series is entitled God's Not Done, and we don't believe God's done. Even with the mess that's going on in our country today, God still has work to do, and um, his plan is continuing. And as long as we are breathing and we're here, he's not done with us. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you in that this morning. Listen, if you're joining us online, we welcome you as well. We're glad to have you And as we've talked about this God's Not Done series, I've challenged you each week with something different. Um, I've challenged you to reconnect with uh, with the Lord. I've challenged you to reconnect with each other and with your church family and challenged you to reconnect with others uh, in the world around you. And we are doing this because God is still saving souls. God is still bringing his kingdom to fruition, and uh, we want to be a part of that. I wanted to, um, I felt like last week just wasn't quite wrapping it up. You know, you, maybe you're, you do something and you feel like, man, there just needs to be something else, and so I felt like this needed one more message in this series, and so this morning I want to talk to you about how in the midst of everything that's going on, as we realize that God's not done and we reconnect uh, with all of those that we need to, um, how can we, what, what's the mindset that we need to have to face this? Um, with everything that's going on in our world today, it seems like we are constantly bombarded with bad news. Amen? Obviously, the pandemic is a huge part of that. And we get bad news about businesses closing down because they haven't been able to be open. There's bad news about the economy. There's bad news about uh, political concerns, police brutality, racial injustice. It's on and on and on, and it seems like we're just bombarded with, with just negativity all over the place. You add on top of that all the personal concerns we have. Listen, I know you probably individually have concerns at work. Concerns at home, in your family, concerns um, with, with friends and, and others in your social connections and so forth. We, we add all this together and it can be very easy to become overwhelmed, to get worn out and to become just overall exhausted with life. Anybody give an amen to that? Okay, it, it can be that. We can become exhausted from the daily grind of just all of that stuff and our everyday lives. And so... This morning, I want to talk to you about that, how not to worry, how not to fret, how not to be anxious in the midst of all that, and how we as Christians ought to have set our mindsets. Uh, in the process of preparing this message, I ran across an interesting story uh, about in South Korea, with all of the, 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 the everything coming, you know, all the being stressed and overworked and, and, and feeling uh, anxious and all that, people have turned to an unusual, some Koreans have turned to an unusual uh, outlet uh, to escape the grind. To escape the grind, some have turned to going to jail. Yeah, 
Yeah, believe it or not, going to jail. Now, not a real jail. It's a faux jail, a fake jail, but a jail, a prison nonetheless. Um, They actually pay to spend time in jail. Um, Inmates, I know, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Inmates actually pay $90 a day to be in solitary confinement, away from their cell phones, away from clocks, even away from people. The facility is called Prison Inside Me. We might can identify with that. It opened in 2013 and is located in northeast Hongshan in South Korea. The owners have hosted more than 2,000 inmates who are often just stressed office workers, professionals, uh, uh, upper management, even students, seeking relief from a demanding work or academic schedule. Prison rules are strict. No talking with inmates. No mobile phones. No clocks. Clients simply get a blue prison uniform. How come orange doesn't do? I don't understand that, you know? Orange is... It's the thing. Um, They get a blue prison uniform, a yoga mat, tea set, a pen, and a notebook, and they sleep on the floor in a, uh, that would be, that that would count, I'd be out with that right there. Count me out. Um, They sleep on the floor in a small room with nothing much more than a side table and, anybody want to guess what else? A toilet. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now, the owner says that some people are a little wary about spending a day or two in a prison cell until they try it. Here's what she says. She says, after a stay in this prison, people often say, this is not a prison. The real prison is where we return to life. Probably a lot of truth to that, friends. But listen, it goes to show you that some people will do anything to escape the pressures of life. Now, we do need to take some time away, amen? God made a Sabbath, and we need to take it, okay? It wasn't for him, it's for us. We need to take some time away, preferably with the Lord and on a regular basis. But friends, the question is, even if we take time away, just listen, in the everyday stuff of life and the pressures of life, how do you handle those everyday pressures? How, how, can you, how can we keep a right attitude, a right mindset in the midst of everything that's going on that is, that is trying to, to break us, it seems like? How can we maintain the right mindset, the right energy that we need to in the midst of everything that's going on? Listen, we know the Scripture tells us to persevere and to press on, but how are we to do that? That's what I want to talk to you about today. Friends, I believe our thought life, has a lot to do, a huge effect on our mindset and our attitudes. In fact, just a few chapters later here from where we're going to be in Romans today, in Romans chapter 12, one of the first verses that I learned in Bible drill was Romans chapter 12, verse 1. How many of you learned that when you were a kid? Romans 12, 1, all right? I I beseech thee, right? I beseech thee, I urge you, therefore, brethren, Paul says, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then we go on to verse 2. It says this, and do not be what? Conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? 
the renewing of your minds. So how are we to be transformed? It is by the renewing of our minds. So friends, Paul tells us how are we to face the world and the trials and the tribulation and everything that we go through here in this world, this world friends. It is by the renewing of our minds. Friends, right thinking is so crucial. And here's the deal. Nobody knew that, I believe, better than the Apostle Paul. We, I don't believe we have record of anyone who went through more difficulties in the, actually recorded in the Scripture than the Apostle Paul. He faced all kinds of adversity, all kinds of problems, and many of them are listed out for us in the Scripture. Yet through it all, friends, the Apostle Paul always persevered, and he always uh, pressed on with an attitude that honored Jesus. Amen? Here, we're fortunate. In Romans chapter 8, I believe in the text we're going to look at today, that we get a glimpse into the Apostle Paul's thinking. In the midst of his writing, Paul pours out what I believe is part of his philosophy and his, his mindset for life as he gives us some very specific ways in which uh, we can maintain a proper mindset, things that helped him to maintain a proper mindset in, in, in his life as he faced the sufferings that he went through. Friends, and I believe it can serve us well as well also. Number one, if you've got an out, picked up an outline, I want to um, challenge you to fill that out this morning. Um, number one, the first way we can maintain a proper mindset, friends, is this. It is to keep our eyes on the prize. Keep our eyes on the prize. Now, you say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, I struggled with exactly how I was going to word this. I ended up saying, man, eh, let's use the saying, right? Keep your eyes on the prize. Uh, I was going to say keep your eyes on heaven or keep your eyes on Jesus or keep your eyes on, you know, um, but we're going to talk about it. Let's see what Paul says here in our text uh, because I believe what Paul gives us to keep our eyes on is so much even bigger than, than, than just heaven. Look at verse 18. Paul writes and he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now let's pause there for a minute. What is he saying here? He's saying, listen, he's going through some stuff. and We know a lot of the stuff that the Apostle Paul went to. Probably very likely that when he wrote this, he was actually um, uh, in chains being taken to Rome, uh, to, to be held, held trial. And so uh, here the Apostle Paul is writing, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, uh, listen, we're all going through some sorts of suffering, right? You say, no, it's pretty good right now. Well, good. I'm glad. But most of the time when I talk to people, there's something going on. But Paul says that the sufferings of this present time, the things that we're going through in this world, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, he could have just said they're not worthy to be compared with heaven. That would have been a great thought, right? And I believe that's encompassed in this. But he's going a step further here and, and saying, listen, um, there's some wonderful things that God has in store for us. One of those is the fact that these old run-down bodies that are getting worse and worse by the day, amen? Anybody's body getting better as you get older? Anyone? Anyone? Maybe some of you kids, you know. You reach, you reach 18, 20, then it's downhill and so forth. We realize that. If you had not realized that yet, 
hold on, all right? But what, what, what he's saying here is that, that there's going to be the glory that shall be revealed in us is we're going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye, and, and we're, we're going to receive the same thing Jesus received, a resurrected body, similar but different. One that's not tainted by sin, one that is not fallen, one that is not broken and breaking. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. And what God is going to do in us and what he's doing in us now, what he's saying here is that the things that we're going through now on this earth cannot even compare to what it's going to be like when we receive our glorified bodies. Can't even compare. Look at verse 19. Four. The earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. In other words, he's saying even creation, even creation longs to see that day. Why? Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility or a, a, a falling, uh, we could just say fallenness there, what futility means. It really um, goes even further than that, talking about a failure to fulfill its original expectations. So God created the world, and when he created it, it was perfect. Amen? Everything was, was good, the Scripture says. And then Adam and Eve sinned, and sin entered the world, and with that, death, disease, and suffering. And the Scripture goes through and talks about that. It talks about the fact of that God says now thorns and thistles and briars and weed, all that kind of stuff's a part of it. And everything that, 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 that is wrong with the world then came with sin and the diseases and things that we go through. Creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. It didn't want to. But because of him who subjected it in hope. But God was was willing to allow that to happen. Was allow, when he created, God knew that Adam and Eve would sin and the world would be in a fallen state. But why did he do it? He did that because he knew that one day he would, through Christ, reconcile all things to himself. But because of him who rejected it in hope, verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption or the bondage of decay, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So not only will we receive new bodies, but we will also get to spend it in a new heaven and a new earth. This earth is fallen. Okay? Did you know that there are many people out in the world today, and if you turn your listening ears on and you listen to them, their goal is to fix the world. And they're trying to fix the world. They're trying to fix the people of the world. They're trying to fix people, animosity between people and stuff. And listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't try to work those things out, but they're also trying to fix these green earth problems and, and, and sustainable earth. And we got to do all these things because, uh, listen, um, if God created the earth, do you not think that he gave us everything we needed for as long as we need it? I'll leave it at that. Otherwise, I get off on a different sermon. But my, my point this morning is this, that the, the earth has fallen, friends. And yes, we ought, to, uh, we ought to seek to live at peace with others and so forth. But listen, our goal is, should not be to make this earth the best it can. Because as believers, if you are saved and you put your faith and trust in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And one day, you're going to receive a, a new body, a resurrected body. And one day, we're all going to spend that 
eternity in a new heaven and a new earth that God has created for His children, the church, all believers to spend eternity in. Amen? And that is something to look forward to. Where'd we stop? Look at verse 22. It says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Don't you love that illustration? <laughs> Ladies, you love that? No. I don't blame you. Okay, I don't blame you. But here, it compares creation groaning and laboring. Listen, when we, when we read that, we think about earthquakes and, 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 and uh, uh, hurricanes and all the things that uh, even in the earth that the Scripture tells us are going to increase, increase, increase as we get closer to the day, friends of Christ. But here we see that. We see creation. We see all of the creation, even human beings groaning and not working exactly like it should. Amen? Because we live in a fallen world. Verse 23, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. So he's talking about those who are believers, those who have the Spirit of God living in them, even we groan. So not only does creation groan because of uh, under the weight of all the, the mess that's in the world, but even we groan in ourselves, eagerly waiting, it says, for the adoption of, what is that? That's the, he's talking about, it says the adoption, the redemption of our body, the, the revealing. Now, we are already saved. If we've trusted Christ, we've already been adopted into his family, but we have not realized that in an eternal sense yet until we, until we get to heaven, and we're going to spend that with him. Verse 24, first part says this, for we were saved in this hope. So what's the attitude we are to have here as we deal with the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties and the pandemic and racial injustice and political turmoil and all this kind of stuff, friends. How do we press on? We press on because we keep our eyes, not down here, but we keep our eyes on the prize. Amen? We keep our eyes on the prize. For we were saved in this hope, it says, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he's seen? In other words, listen, we haven't received it fully yet. But if we hope for what we do not see, we keep that hope, right? But look at this last part. But if we hope for what we do not see, verse 25, it says we eagerly wait for it with what? Perseverance. With perseverance. Friends, well, how, do we, how do we live in the meantime? We press on. We long for, we long for it and we press on. Um, in other words, we put up with all the mess down here in the world that we live in because we know that it's just temporary. And we know that what we experience is because, friends, we live in a fallen world. And, and there's a prize so much better that is awaiting us who trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we can press on and we can endure and we can deal with the stuff we have to deal with down here. Now, think about it like this. If you're going to really be good at something, and maybe your thing is running, maybe you want to run a marathon, or, or maybe it's gymnastics, or maybe it's basketball, or maybe when you were younger it was football, or soccer, or football, right? Or maybe it's music, Pastor Brandon, right? There, there's a lot of things that, um, that we 
get involved in. And so maybe if you want to be a great musician or if you want to be run a marathon and you want to really do well in that marathon or you want to be a great soccer player, then you've got to, number one, practice, right? Practice? Yes, practice. you got to practice. And, you know, when you practice, and not only just practice, but many times you have to train for music. Think about it. Listen, uh, I, I know when somebody, you know, when your kids sit down or, and you've given, having them take piano lessons or guitar lessons, and they sit down for the first time, and they want to, you know, play something by Bach, <laughs> they are not there yet, right? It starts very simply with chords and learning charts and learning um, scales and those kind of things. And it's very hard work uh, at the beginning in, in, in sports. You have to train. If you can run a marathon, you don't get out and you go run 26 miles all at once. No, you have to train. You have to build up to it. Yeah, have to lift weights for football and other things. There are hard things you have to do. And how do you do all those things? How, how do you persevere in those things? You, you, do, you do it by keeping your eye on the prize. You keep your eyes on the prize. Friends, that's how we endure the stuff that we have to go through here on this earth. We keep our eye on the prize. And well, listen, the wonderful thing is this. The prize has already been won for us. Amen? Christ has redeemed us from our sin, and our salvation is secure. It is secure in him by what he's done on the cross. So the prize has already been won. So we keep our eye on the prize, and we continue in pressing on down here, knowing that what we're, what's going on down here, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm going to talk about more about this later. But the things that are going on down here, friends, God is using these things to mature us and to knock off the rough edges and to make us into who he wants us to be. Amen? It's because of that, friends, that we can press on. Knowing what he's doing in us, knowing what he has for us, looking forward to heaven, looking forward to eternity, looking forward to our resurrected bodies and a new heaven and a new earth. Man, doesn't that get you excited? We can press on, knowing that that is the reality for us as believers in Christ. How do we press on? Keep your eyes on the prize. Number two. Not only do we need to keep our eyes on the prize, the second way I believe Paul gives us here that we can maintain a proper mindset, friends, is to know that God will always help us, be there to help us, and strengthen us. God is always there for us. No matter what we're going through, friends, God is always there through the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. God is there for us. Look at verse 26. Paul goes on to say, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. The Spirit helps us. Listen, if you're saved, if you're a child of God, the moment you trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your life. And He is there to lead you and guide you and to help you in your frailties. Now, I know we like to think we're strong and we're whatever, but you know, if you think about your insecurities, the 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 areas in your life when you, that you know you need help in. And the word here speaks of, 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 of our, the, our neediness, the, the, the things which we are weak in, whether we feel inadequate or whether, whether we feel like I can't talk like I need to, I can't do the things, God, that you've called me to do and so forth. Listen, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. 
If you're a believer, if you're a child of God, then the Holy Spirit is with you at all times. He's there, and he is helping you through whatever you're going through, no matter what it is, friends, whether it's the uh, dealing with all the stuff that's going on right now. He's there to strengthen you, friends, whether you have lost your job or maybe the hours at your job have decreased because of the pandemic, whether it's your business is struggling, whether your marriage is on rocky ground or your kids are giving you trouble or, or, or maybe teens, kids, maybe it's online schools really stressing you out and you're having a hard time. Listen, God is there to strengthen you and to help you. Amen? Now, maybe you've been in a place, you ever been just so frustrated or so at the end of your rope where you just you just you just don't even know what to say you're like how how is it oh. right you've been there where you don't, it's not even in words it's more in just a oh, it's a groan it's a sigh friends even in those moments the holy spirit is there to help you look at what paul says next after he says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, he says, for we do not know what we should pray. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. In other words, he petitions the Father for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So as we have those times in which oh, we don't even know what to pray, the Spirit living inside of us, God's Spirit can convey to the Father. Uh, he conveys uh, our heart, our, our struggles, uh, the difficulties we're going through, even uh, just with himself in groanings. I want you to look at verse 27. It explains this a little bit more. He says, Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So the Father, he, he's, he searches our heart. He knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Now, why? Because, because they're all one, right? Look at what he says, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So God the Father, God the Spirit living inside of us uh, is, is one, yet three persons, but yet he communicates obviously with himself. And so he knows what we're going through and he is working to help us and strengthen us through it all. And so he knows how you feel. He is there for you through it all. So as during these times when we get worried and we get stressed out and we fret, and, oh my goodness, what's going to happen and how am I going to make it through all this? Listen, take a deep breath. God's got this. Amen? God's got this. He's going to be with me no matter what it is. I want you to think about that, that last time when you got sideswiped by bad news. Sorry, I hate to take you back there. But whatever it is, you know what I'm talking about. You were, ha you were having a good day until that person said, I, I got something to tell you. Or whatever happened. And all of a sudden, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. and You feel like, oh my goodness, how am I going to deal with this? Friends, when those moments happen, Take a deep breath and give it to God. And give it to the Lord. Give it to Him. Just say, Lord, help me. And He will. He is there for us through it all. Um, 
Here's the wonderful blessing that we have as believers. Because, you know, the fact that God knows everything, you know, sometimes we can have right theology but wrong thinking. <laughs> Do you know that? Um, God knows everything, so why do I need to talk to him, right? That's wrong thinking. Yes, God knows everything. And God, because his spirit lives within us, he, he knows what, but he still wants us to communicate with him. He still wants us to talk with him. And, um, and, and, and it's a wonderful blessing, friends. We have the blessing of having direct access to God Almighty. Think about that. Think about how awesome that is. That we, little peon me, one of over 7 billion people on the face of the planet, God loves enough to give me direct access to Him because of what Christ did on the cross. If we don't take advantage of that, friends, we are... God wants to communicate with us. And He gives us that opportunity. We need to take advantage of that. Um, here's just... Here's kind of what, what that's like. You know how sometimes... You know, sometimes when, we, um, when you're trying to call somebody and they, they don't answer? Nowadays, most of the time, people don't answer on the first because you've got to leave a message, you've got to text them, you can call back, right? So you expect sometimes to have to call somebody a couple of times. But after you've called somebody ten times and they haven't answered, what are they doing? Say it, Mark, they're... They're ghosting you, all right? If you don't know that term, yes, they're ignoring you. They're, they're ghosting you. They're, they're, I don't know how that term came about. They're pretending you're not there, right? They're, it's just they're, they're letting it go. And so, so, you know, we get frustrated with those kind of things. But think about on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, friends, because God doesn't do that. God will not ghost you. God is instead, he's like that, that friend or that that, that, that close person in your life that you can call and get a hold of at any time. You know who that is? You know, maybe it's your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, your best friend, whatever. It's that person who, who you're so close to that, that, okay, I have to, yeah, I have to. So my wife, God, God bless her wonderful soul, um, occasionally, now she does a great thing, like right now her phone is on do not disturb, right? Oh, it's at home. Okay, she forgot it. So I can't get through to her right now. But most of the time she has her phone with her. And, um, but she will occasionally put it on do not disturb and tell me none of y'all do this and forget to take it off. Anybody do that? Yeah, okay. Testify. So... The wonderful thing is now with phones that I am, in, I am, she's designated me as one of those faves. So if it goes straight to voicemail, whether she's on the phone to somebody else or whether she is um, even driving or whatever, I can call back that second time immediately and I can get through, right? It's that type of relationship, obviously, as husband and wife that we have. Friends, listen, that's the type of relationship you have with God, but you don't even have to call a second time. He is always there. Amen? 
at any moment, at any time, when you get broadsided by that bad news, friends, God is there and He wants to help you and strengthen you. Friends, if we're going to survive in this world, we've got to keep our eyes on the prize. We've got to know that God is there to help us and strengthen us no matter what. And I believe there's a third way here, a third encouragement I want to give you um, to know that will help your mindset as you face all the stuff that's going on right now, and it is this, friends. Know that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Look at verse 28. You know this verse, right? Along with Romans 12, 1, it's probably one of those first verses you memorized. If you don't know it, do you know even unbelievers try to quote this verse? I'll come back to that here in a second. Verse 28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Friends, many times, uh, this is probably one of the most misunderstood verses in all of Scripture, especially by, by unbelievers. Because many people, even many believers will quote this verse or unbelievers will quote and say, and, and they'll say something like this, not even realizing that this is where the concept comes from. They'll say something like, well, you know, all things, you know, everything's going to work out. It's okay because everything's going to work out. Or they'll say something like this, you know what, just, just let everything play out. It's going to be all right. Now, here's what this verse does not mean. Because let me ask you something. For somebody who doesn't know Christ, is everything all, always going to work out in the end? It's not. And if you're listening to me today, here in person, watching us online, please hear me. Please hear my heart. Listen, this is why we need to trust Christ as our Savior. Because there's going to be a day and we're going to stand before God. And we're all going to be found guilty because we're all sinners before a holy God. And the absolute only thing that, that will get us to be with God for eternity and not be cast out of his presence is if we're, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the only way that happens is by putting our faith and trust in what Christ did on the cross for us. Our, we can't be good enough to get there. It is Jesus' sacrifice that pays the penalty for our sin. Friends, that... So being a child of God, trusting Christ as our Savior, that, look, at, let's read the verse again. We know that all things work together for good. For who? For those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So it's talking about those who've been born again, those are his, who are his children. For those who are not, it's not going to work out good. But for those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. Because here's what it's saying. That all things, for those who, who love God, for those who are the called, those who are saved, that, that all things in your life and in my life, every, and even the things that happen are going to work together for good. Even the bad things. Even those eh, things. That God's going to take all those things and he's going to work them together for good. Now you say, well, pastor, there's a lot of things in my life that haven't been good. Amen. I get you. I understand that. 
What it doesn't say, it doesn't say that all things are good for those who love Him. He says all things work together for good. In other words, God's going to take even the trials and the tribulations and the sufferings and the difficulties and our failings, and He's going to work it all together for our good and for His glory and to fulfill His plan. Now, He goes on in verse 29 and 30 to talk about the best part of that. Look at what He says in verse 29. It says, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So, who is he talking about here? When he talks about whom he foreknew, he's talking about those who have trusted in Christ, those who have been saved, those who are redeemed, the the children of God, those who have been born again, that who God, before the foundations of the earth, knew were in Christ. And therefore, he predestined them, all those who are Christians who respond, those who, as uh, John chapter 3, verse 16 says, that all those who believe, should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. For all those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So, if you're saved, God has said that you will be conformed to the image of his Son, uh, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, so that Christ and as he has a resurrected body, we will as well. We are going to be conformed to him. He took, took our sins upon him, gives us his righteousness. So when we get to heaven, in the process, God's working on us, amen, we get to heaven, we are instantly like Christ and we are glorified. Look at verse 30. He, he shares a, a, a real simplified version of the process. It says, moreover, whom he predestined, These he also called. So you say, well, how do I know? How do I know I'm going to respond to God? Whatever. Well, here it says God's going to make sure it happens. For whom he predestined, these he also called. Not talking about a general call here, but that specific efficacious call. And he said, whom he called, these he also justified. Those whom he's called to be his children, he's justified, made them right with him. And those whom he's justified, these he also glorified. Speaking of in past tense, even though we ultimately won't, that won't be fulfilled until we are with Him. But friends, God, the whole Scripture here is talking about that, that what we have to look forward to is that God is working in us and He's using even the difficult things in our life to refine us and to to knock off the rough edges and to make us into who He wants us to be and to to, to, to weed out the bad stuff and and mold us into uh, the likeness of Christ so that when, when we get to heaven, we're all going to be in our glorified bodies and it's just going to be wonderful and he what he's got in his plan and working those things in us will come to fruition and God uses all sorts of things in our life to do that and friends when we know that when we know that this mess I'm going through I don't know how I want to fast forward and get through it but guess what God's teaching me something he's growing me He's maturing me. Friends, it's only when we understand this and know that God is doing that, that we can face the trials and tribulations of life with a positive attitude and a great outlook. And we can keep from letting the mess of life get us down. You know who this reminds me of? Reminds me 
Go all the way back in the Old Testament to Genesis. It reminds me of Joseph, the patriarch Joseph. Remember Joseph? You remember Joseph? Remember Joseph and the coat of many colors? Joseph, one of, one of Jacob's 12 sons, where the nation of Israel came from. But Joseph was the, was the second youngest. The Scripture says he was his father's favorite. His father, because he was his favorite, gave him a coat of many colors, a very expensive coat, very beautiful coat. But his brothers, older brothers, hated him because of it. And his brothers then took him one day, got so mad at him, they were going to kill him, but they threw him in a pit. Fortunately, a couple of the brothers convinced the others, oh, you know what, don't kill him, let's sell him. Let's, let's, let's get rid of him, but let's sell him. And so they sold him to some Midianite traders, Ishmaelites. And then, get this, what did the Midianite traders do? They sold him into slavery in Egypt. Now, how would you like it if your brothers did that to you? Not good, right? Now, Joseph was a man of God, and Joseph, Joseph served God, and, and he got sold into and he became a servant of Potiphar. And if you'll remember, he kind of worked his way up in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar had him let him take care of all of his, all of his, his, his personal effects. And then something else happened. You know, just listen, God, I've, I've served you. I've done all of this. And, and so, God, how could you let this happen? You know what happened? Potiphar's wife came on to Joseph, and he got really accused of rape and got thrown in prison for who knows how long. Until God then brought him out of prison to a divine reading of dreams, Right? And Joseph worked his way up to second in command in Egypt. All the bad things that happened in Joseph's life, God used those things to put Joseph exactly where he wanted him to be for a specific purpose at a specific time. In fact, at the very end of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 50, I believe it is, Joseph's brothers um, all come down because the famine has gotten so bad and you know they've come down and Joseph has tested them and finally Joseph reveals himself to them and, and they, they then see that this is our brother whom we sold into slavery and so they fall on their knees and they're, they're, they're asking him forgiveness and they're crying and they're saying, Joseph, we're so sorry that we did this to you. And you know what Joseph says? What you intended for evil, God intended for good. Friends, that I can't help but to believe that it, Joseph didn't just realize that at the end. Joseph, that's how Joseph was able to press on and persevere through it all. He didn't know at the time what God was doing, but he knew that God had a plan and that God was working in his life and he was surrendered to the Lord. And so he allowed God to use him and God took him up and God at times brought him down, but it was all for a purpose. Friends, God is doing the same thing in your life as his child. Know that. Understand that, friends, and persevere and press on through it. Amen? As we come kind of to the end of this series, I hope you've made a plan to reconnect with God, reconnect with your church family, Reconnect with others here in 2021. Wednesday night, we're going to be doing this as a church. We're going to talk about how do we reach a lost world in the midst of this pandemic. 
We're going to be talking about some very practical things. Brainstorming together. Friends, listen. As believers, we are called to engage God's plan for our lives. We cannot be idle participants. So I want to challenge you. What is God saying to you? How is God speaking to you today? Where, what step do you need to take in that process, friends? And will you do it? As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, what does it say when we refuse to do what God is calling us to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know you are sovereign over all. We know that you're at work in our world today. Lord, we know that you're using, and even this pandemic, the situations, Lord, that individuals are going through, whether it's reduced work hours, stress on on the family because of the decisions the schools have made, Lord, there's so many things that affect our lives, Lord. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on the prize, to keep our eyes on you, to keep our eyes focused, Lord, on letting you work in us and through us. Lord, help us not to be inward focused, but help us to have an attitude, Lord, that wants to be your hands and feet, that wants to be your mouthpiece in this world, Lord. Spur us on to love and good works, Lord. It's in your precious name we pray as we surrender to you today. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.